and welcome to the weirding hour. That was that was almost good. I liked that. We were only like three seconds apart. I would it's say. Never going like to be good. Because I'm never going to let it be good. Oh, oh sabotage! Rude. Wow. I'm Bothwell. I'm Rhea. I've seen it. Are you sure, Rhea? <laughs> Didn't sound convinced. <laughs> I was like unprepared to be Rhea, but no, I'm Rhea now. And uh, yeah, so today we are going to talk about Mexican mysteries. Ooh. Mostly Mexican mysteries. <laughs> mostly. Mostly. Oh. Before we get started, guys, I have to make a little correction, um, which actually I did so realise. Embarrassing. Thing. I know, I know. Get your facts right, guys. Do your homework. Um, so I think it was in the Under the Sea episode, well, it was in the Under the Sea episode, I talked about going to visit the Mary Celeste in Portsmouth, when actually it was the Mary Rose. What? They are different boats. I was getting my Marys confused. Yeah, you know? one's a shrimp salad, the other one isn't. <laughs> and why didn't I know that? Uh, so yeah, thank you. But it was also pointed out by uh, some of our listeners. So thank you guys. We want to hear if we make fuck ups. It's always great to have your mistakes pointed out to you and have to apologise on air. Publicly. Wow, that sounds really <laughs> yeah. bad. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, uh, no jokes. We do want to know. We know. Thank you for repeating it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so today our craft is collage. Collage. Uh, which is super exciting. We've not done this craft yet, so um, might that's be a bit great. Uh, yeah, it's going to be super rustly. I've already got the scissors out. I've been doing some chopping. Going to make uh, some quality content. Oh, yeah. Quality um, sound content. Oh, yes. Uh, actually, maybe I should stop chopping then. Um, can you no, hear I'm, that? I'm ripping. I can't hear your chopping. Oh, I can't hear your ripping. So maybe it's fine. So uh, I can today... definitely hear all of it. <laughs> can you? Yeah. But hey, I'm sure I'm sure none of the listeners can, so it's cool. Everyone knows we're crafting. Yeah, you just have we to do up with it. We're it, you, you know I was doing. We know you're not here for sound quality or content quality. <laughs> no, there's no quality just, to be had. You're just friends with us, so yeah. thanks for putting up with it. Yeah, thank you for being a friend. Um, cool. Anything else to say before we get started on our mysteries? Uh, I don't think so. Oh. Cool then, Maria. Go. Uh, a story begins in the little town of Chihuahua <laughs> in Mexico. It's is not that a little town? <laughs> it's not uh, it's it just a little city. dog. It might be a city. It might be a little dog. Uh, but our story begins there. But it also it, might be a town. It is definitely a town. Um, and <laughs> it, it, it begins in 1930. So uh, the story tells of a bridal shop owner. Uh, the bridal shop is called La Popula. Um, so you can tell it's, it's popular. pretty popular. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Um, it begins in this bridal shop and the owner is uh, called Pasquala Esparza. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but that's, oh, that's no. what we've got. I'm you, reading it as it's written. Uh, destroy some things later. Yeah. Okay. Pronunciations. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. 
So um, she was gearing up for her daughter's wedding. Um, you know, it's a time of uh, great joy and happiness. And, uh, and her daughter was obviously going to be wearing a bridal outfit from the shop uh, and to be a beautiful, stunning bride. But tragedy struck. On her wedding day, she was bitten by a black widow spider oh, and died. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. That's harsh. That's not yeah. what you want on your wedding day. No, it's not what you want on your wedding day. In fact, it's it's almost definitely not what you're planning for on your wedding day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about oh, you. Oh, damn. I didn't schedule this in. I do not have time. <laughs> oh, There's no time oh, to God. die. There's canapes to be had. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, exactly. Uh, we know so... what boss is looking forward to when she gets married. Good for good. Just the canapes. Who, who isn't looking forward to the food on a wedding day? Yeah. Yeah, I think Joe and I have spent the majority of our money on food <laughs> to, to, to feed you guys. So you best enjoy it. You love your friends. There you go. Exactly. Food is a love language. That's it weird. is when you put cream on your nips. Oh. 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 You said that to Rhea, like, knowingly. Like, <laughs> why does it <laughs> to you? Why, don't, why does that disgust Rhea so much? I don't. I don't want food on my body. I want food in my mouth. <laughs> what about nips? <laughs> I just, I just, you don't want your nips to get sticky. <laughs> I think we should stop at this point <laughs> before we go any further down this route. Okay, sorry. Back to the tragic tale. Yeah, sorry. Of Pasquala Esparza. Serious. Uh, yes. So Pasquala was flung into misery over the loss of her daughter. Uh, So everyone was very surprised when she returned to work. However, their surprise turned to fear when a new mannequin appeared in the shop window. And the townspeople couldn't help but notice the alarming resemblance to Pasquala's daughter. This is creepy. Yeah, nope. Wait, just to check, you're not going to tell us the plot to the 80s film Mannequin, are you? Uh, why haven't you seen it? <laughs> Not, I mean, I don't remember it, but the the one who likes sex from Sex of the City is a mannequin sometimes, and then sometimes not. That's uh, it. Yeah, that's exactly the plot. Except okay, there's cool. also an amazing scene where she gets to try on all the different clothes in the mall. Oh, cool. um, so that was my favourite scene. Um, so back to this mannequin that has appeared in the shop window. So. Soon after, rumours spread around the town that this mannequin was, in fact, Pasquala's dead daughter. And the reason people thought that it was her dead daughter is because the eyes followed people around the room as they walked around the bridal shop and passed the window. And the eyelashes looked real. And the hair also seemed to be real and she had a sort of bluish pallor to its skin and they could see what looked like veins under the skin that Uh, is an interesting mannequin look I've not seen a mannequin with veins before and also people would note just how lifelike the hands looked as they reached towards you Uh, probably not a mannequin then no it might not might not be a mannequin just Uh, a person standing in the window (laughs) (laughs) 
oh sorry ma'am <laughs> so um this mannequin has actually been in the shop window since the 1930s so it's it's been there for sort of uh, 85 90 years now and the rumors still spread around the town and you know over time this bride mannequin came to be known as la pasqualita which means little pasquala uh, because apparently the bride's name disappeared through history i was wondering why you're just talking about the mother and not not yeah. her name there's nothing there's absolutely nothing about um what the daughter's name is so she's just become known as little pasqualita uh, sorry la pasqualita um so basically um it she does like if you google it and um and actually what i'll probably do is is just share it with you now um um was the daughter known for her um, just staring at people as they walk around a room uh, yeah, like totally. That was that was exactly it. Um, so I will say that um, basically her face doesn't look that realistic to me, um, but it does have a really kind of deathly sort of pallor. Oh, and I. Oh, oh, oh! Yeah. They're unpleasant mannequin hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. <gasps> So it looks to me like that has been made from a plaster cast, but then the nails look kind of creepy and like, like it's the nails not... are creepy. Yeah. yeah, but also if it was a human, then they'd probably be fallen out by now, maybe. Oh, for sure, for sure. So um, yeah, pe- various people over over the years have sort of posited that they believe that embalming techniques in the 1930s were so much better um, than embalming techniques now, which just seems. Uh, that, that doesn't seem it like the way like technology works the wrong way round <laughs> yeah. of time and then some people put forward that you know uh people like lenin and mao um have been embalmed and and kept in sort of you know perpetual good condition and and really yeah because a lot of effort has gone into to making sure that they are maintained kept in a you know consistent environment so that they won't decompose and won't fall apart and all that kind of thing and uh and i don't think a shop window is the perfect environment <laughs> to you mean to preserve a corpse direct sunlight is bad for corpses i who knew who knew um yeah, so you can see she does actually have what looks like real hair, or at least a wig. That definitely uh, looks like a cheap wig. Yeah, um, and it the hands look real. Real hair in the 1930s. I don't know. Uh, and someone has taken the time to paint her features, but the the eyes are obviously far too big. Yeah, uh, but the eyelashes the hand... are clearly yeah not. But the hand, the hand's creepy. The hand is super creepy. Like it looks like they've taken a plaster cast of it to pick up all of those tiny details. Like that does very much take those like little shapes in your skin. Oh, for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, you can get some really detailed plaster casts. Uh, And there's been some suggestion. Basically, I, I sort of trawled the internet to see what people said about the mannequin and it's still there people still flock to chihuahua to look at it but when i tried to look up the shop la popular uh you can find its contact details but it doesn't seem to have a website which seems really bizarre for a shop 
Mm. Um, so, like, it's I, I, it's just strange. Anyway, we'll talk a little bit about uh, some of the reasons that people, some of the things that people have said about the mannequin. So, um, there's a story uh, about the mannequin that. Uh, I guess maybe sometime in the 40s or 50s uh, that a French magician uh, was magician magician magician, uh, was traveling through Chihuahua and became obsessed with La Pascualita and he actually brought her to life. Uh, But his magic was limited, so he could only bring her to life at night and he would take her out on the town and go dancing and have to return her by morning. Okay, that is definitely the plot to Mannequin. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Uh, Maybe that's yeah. where it's from? Yeah, that's probably exactly where it's from. Mm. But yeah, lots of people have uh, talked about the fact that only certain staff are allowed near her. Uh, her costume does change, so she isn't just stuck in the same bridal costume forever. But some people have noticed that she is always put in high collar bridal gla- uh, gowns bridal uh, glam <laughs> bridal glam uh, it was going to be bridal glowns um <laughs> but no it's bridal oh don't do it again <laughs> bridal glands <That's laughs> like you perfect even had any wine tonight <laughs> i've not even had any wine tonight i have had two cookies which were about 250 calories a piece oh don't go mad i know right but honestly too far how are cookies that much anyway yes so other people have been in the shop and thought they heard whispers people have thought that she changes position in the night so she's not where they left her and some people have to Basically, that's kind of the main story is that uh, the French magician, uh, the Black Widow spider, um, and basically lots of people just believing that because of the creepiness of the hands, that this is in fact a real corpse. But I think when we look at the face, we can decide categorically that it probably isn't. The face severely lets it down. Yeah. But it is weird. Like, that is not like any mannequin I have ever seen. Oh, Do you know what I mean? It's definitely odd looking. Like, this is really macabre. It's a really strange way of making a mannequin. Yeah. Like, why would anyone do this? Why would anyone put in this much time and effort to make a mannequin that looks this close to lifelike, but not? It's just... Mysterious. It It is mysterious. Um, and I guess a lot of people still feel like... <gasps> Maybe it is the dead body. Uh, But I think most people can categorically agree that it is not. So there is some suggestion that the hands uh, are in fact made of wax, which would make sense if you've taken a plaster cast. Then wax is kind of the only uh, thing that would kind of pick up that detail. Mm. Um, and, And then I suppose someone would have painted onto that wax, which would then make sense why only certain staff members would be allowed to change her. Because yeah, she'd be very delicate, like after all these years. Yeah, they, well, they must have to maintain her because, especially if they're touching her and she's kept in direct sunlight in a shop window. Yeah. Uh, okay, fair. Okay, and then some people have said that she has varicose veins on her legs, which seems weird because I'm like, some short ass wedding dress. Her legs. 
yeah, exactly. What's going on here? So I just I just think there was obviously just someone in the 1930s obviously felt like this was their like uh, their their masterpiece, you know, like this is yeah. the thing that they were going to make that what, was going to. What were just... they trying to achieve? <laughs> yeah. Like this will make people want to buy wedding dresses. Just, well, I don't know. Them the hell out. I don't know. But I did want to uh, just compare and say that some people say that they definitely believe that she isn't um, is definitely an embalmed dead body uh, because they've seen uh, the embalmed body of Rosalie Lombardo, which was a two year old girl who was embalmed at around about the same time period in Italy uh, after she died, obviously. Um, and oh, people lucky yeah i know right and again she has that sort of uh still has quite like wax and lifelike looking skin i don't have a picture of rosalie unfortunately um so i won't share that with you uh Did you... Then... have you seen one yeah i've seen pictures um part and... of my ignorance but why are we embalming people when we're not in ancient egypt oh <laughs> uh... It's a it's a common embalming, embalming um, is thing in certain cultures. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that at all. I only know because um, my mum is a <laughs> cemetery Embal- person. Your mum's a cemetery person. <laughs> I feel like she's an embalmer. Actually. Oh my god, what does she do? I don't know. She like talks. She just hangs out in the cemetery. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, ask me about embalming. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> She she does um yeah that's she does that she an undertaker oh, that's a great no. job no works in a mortuary oh, let me I've got her leaflet right next to me somewhere <laughs> what, what business is she advertising uh, hey are you dead she's a civil funeral celebrant farming celebrant is the word oh she's a celebrant yeah she conducts funerals yeah so she does oh. civil funerals so like non-religious yeah okay mainly. Oh, that's cool. Um, uh, but yeah, she was telling me embalming is still a common thing in certain cultures. Oh. Um, but she was also telling me it's not very good for the environment at all. No, no, it's really not. So they're trying uh, to like persuade people not to do it. I suppose it's that, hard though. That seems like cultural... a good idea. Yeah. But Rosalie um, also has stories surrounding her because obviously anyone talking about corpses will have a story about it and some people believe that Rosalie opens her eyes and looks at them uh, when they go to visit her so that's their reason for comparing but honestly uh, the waxen sort of looking skin of Rosalie like on her face just doesn't compare at all to the face of La Pascualita like it's La Pascualita's face is just it just looks it's just very smooth yeah exactly it doesn't look like waxen. The hands could probably be waxen, like I was saying, but like the face mm, definitely yeah. not. 100% looking up that embalmed child when this finishes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I also, I looked I'm, up... I'm going to skip that. But <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I also looked up uh, some other reasons why she's definitely not embalmed from Confessions of a Funeral Director. Um, and yeah, like things I mentioned earlier, like climate, it's just it doesn't make sense to keep anything 
in a shop window, anything <laughs> that's not sort of dry, mm. it's just not going to give you a chance. The hands, they found very intricate, but then we all do. Uh, the facial features, when you embalm a person hard, in air quotes, uh, <laughs> thoroughly... <laughs> Sounds horrendous. <laughs> hey, girl, you want some of that hard embalming? <laughs> like, no, definitely not. <laughs> Um, thoroughly, you thoroughly flush them with a strong embalming fluid. The lips, I'll flush you thoroughly. Yeah. Oh um, the lips and the eyelids will noticeably dry out, and they will start to act like a piece of beef jerky. In all that, the moisture will leave the tissue, leaving it shrunken and wrinkled. So, mm. if La Pascualita was embalmed, the facial features would be dried out and wrinkly and horrible. So, but yeah, they couldn't get over the hands. But basically, yeah, it's just, it's very unlikely that this uh, La Pascualita is a corpse. And then I also wanted to compare a little bit to uh, the other famous uh, mummified corpses in Mexico, uh, which are the mummies of Guanajato. Guanajato? Uh, Who knows? other people probably so (laughs) other people know (laughs) yeah not me uh guanajuato um in 1833 uh there was suddenly a cholera outbreak and so a lot of people died very quickly um and so they had to find a way to get rid of them so they buried them uh sort of further away from the town but um the nature of the soil and where they buried them basically meant that uh, over the years they became mummified uh instead of rotting into their graves so when they were dug up uh to be moved because there was um a yeah a government imposed tax on anyone who wanted to continue in perpetual care for the graves so basically that meant that if you weren't prepared to pay the tax you had to dig up those bodies and move them so that's what they did and discovered that those bodies were completely mummified and they are now in a museum in Guanajuato uh and you can you can see them I'm actually going to add them to the chat window so hopefully you should see that now oh yep oh. nightmarish oh my god those are so cool oh why are they why is that one screaming, screaming. Uh, I think that's uh, it's either how it was placed or how the skin stretched and pulled it over time there, and there's horrible so cool, stories man. Uh, surrounding them as well uh, but you can go to the uh <laughs> Guana Gerato, uh Mummy Museum and sort of see those stories behind them you know like some of them were found in different positions and there are stories that perhaps some people were accidentally buried alive that um, screaming guy 100% was yeah yeah so and and as you can see uh these mummified corpses do not look like La Pascualita <laughs> like um, plastic mannequins <laughs> So I think, yes, as much as they, uh, there are, it would be nice to imagine that some weird macabre story where uh, they embalmed a young bride. Would that be nice having... to imagine? Oh, that would be... Well, it'd be quite fun. It'd be uh... nice to imagine this dead lady. Um... <laughs> it would be a bit bad. We'd all be having a lovely time. But, um... <laughs> be a 
day uh, out, you know. Well, I think it would be delightful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's why you do this podcast, you weirdo. Oh. Uh, and people have written songs about her as well. So uh, Steve Chennels uh, in 2017 wrote a song about Little Pasquala. And I don't know, I'll, I'll just read one line. Bitten by a spider on her happiest day, put into the window as a bridal display. <laughs> oh, that is a killer line. Yes, I love Steve. it. <laughs> Uh, so you can Google and find that there are there there's more songs than that about La Pascualita, but you know, it, it, look these people up, listen to their music. They deserve it. They put some effort in. Uh, so that I've, wait, I've just come up with one. Hang on, killed by a spider on her happiest day, sadly to become a window display. <laughs> <laughs> Nina, Nina looks so unimpressed with my rhymes. <laughs> I don't understand. Isn't that exactly the same as his? No, his was slightly different. It was, it was slightly different. <laughs> Ever wow. so slightly different. What wow. was his one? Uh, it was well, it's, it was quite close. I d- did. I just read the, the same, same one. You, you <laughs> just wrote the same words. <laughs> say it again. Say it again, Nina. <laughs> Maria. Oh, what, no. what were his his last rhyming words? It was happy day and window display. Bitten by a spider on her happiest day. Put into the window as a bridal display. Oh shit! Yeah, I did just completely. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, there we go. Why? Oh, not incredible. in a band anymore. <laughs> yeah, just guys, I come up with this brilliant lyrics. So. <laughs> I'm gonna call the song Bohemian Rhapsody. Just... And it's I've just been listening to the radio, and I've just been struck by some inspiration. <laughs> Oh dear! All right, we can cut cut this whole bit. Thanks very much. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, thanks for humouring me though, Ria. At the start, Ria was like, "Yeah, that's that's pretty grateful." Well done. What a good song you just came up with. (laughs) Ria's dying. My extreme plagiarising. <laughs> credit, <laughs> really critical to Steve. Thank you, oh, Steve. Oh, my face hurts. <laughs> uh, excuse okay. me, I want credit for my song. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, well, that was glorious. Oh, oh, wait, sorry, sorry. Hold on. There's another oh, one. God, there's Magician more. came from France each evening, made her dance. <laughs> Bob okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Bob's, have you got some lyrics? Do you like cheese? Have you been to France? Come to the window, see our mannequin dance. Hey. There you go. Slightly changed it. Well done. <laughs> it's better than not changing it at all. It's better than <laughs> completely copying. <laughs> this is what happens when I'm half concentrating on collaging and listening to your stories, Ria. <laughs> Oh my goodness! How is how is the collaging going? Yeah, it's actually going all right. Kind of, well, I don't know what I'm making, but other than that, yeah, a mess. <laughs> so that's me done, um, and that Pasqualita. is the story of La Pasqualita, which is oh, so I could have just done a mystery that wasn't really a mystery because that wasn't 
That, that was, was just such that a was funny fun. way to throw shade, Nina. A mannequin. <laughs> oh, I didn't realise we were not doing mysteries. Because right. if we were not doing mysteries, I could have just talked about anything Mexican. I'm okay, sorry, thanks. I just really took hours trying to find a Mexican mystery and I couldn't. So I'm relieved that Rhea hasn't either. Uh, well, it is shade. a mystery. Shade. Like, Apart from when you said multiple times that you think it's probably actually just a mannequin. Yeah, I but, but that's the mystery. That, but that's it's the mystery. <laughs> the mystery is people don't know whether it's a corpse or not. Oh, I thought it the mystery clearly... was why do they think it's a corpse? It's clearly yeah. not. <laughs> it's it's that it's the mystery is ooh, The mystery is, is why do those hands but look it, so it's fucking clearly real? not. That's Apart from the that's, hands. The mystery is who drew veins on a mannequin? What were they thinking that was going to help to advertise? <laughs> yeah, varicose veins, no less. Buy yeah. our wedding dresses. They'll really show off your veins. <laughs> Do you uh, have bulgy veins? You know what oh, you're going to need? A wedding dress. <laughs> I forgot to mention, uh, there's a, a quote from one of the uh, shop workers who says that they believe it is a corpse and they get really sweaty hands whenever they're near her. I mean, I feel like that's their whole thing. Yeah, you know, that's more just, their issue than hers. Maybe they're into veins. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> all I'm just trying to make myself feel better about the fact that mine is not Mexican at all. <laughs> I mean, is it a mystery? Yeah, because oh, it's okay. it's unresolved. Well, yeah, there's a mystery then, because that's that's it's like a mystery story. It's a mannequin story. We, we know. <laughs> But it's still, ooh, is she a dead body? No. No, she's she's a mannequin. <laughs> just, you, just you going no to me stops that from being a mystery. If, oh, you, if you stop before you, you said no. You believe it. I believe she might be a corpse. Okay, then, then it's a mystery. Okay. How mysterious of you. And who is that mysterious French magician? <laughs> yeah. That is pretty mysterious. What's he doing carrying around that blow-up doll? <laughs> nice. Uh, okay. <laughs> right, Nina. So, uh, mine isn't Mexican. It's I've, oh, we enjoyed I've... that, Ria. By the way, sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh, said. Yeah. I enjoyed the house. Oh, is that even a mystery? Oh, oh, she's not going to forget about that for a while. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Mine, well, you can listen to mine and judge this. Okay. Um, It's definitely not Mexican. I've expanded the search. It's, uh, we're now doing Latin American mysteries. Okay, sure. So mine is in, um, mine's in Brazil. And it, it was in 1966. So on August the 21st, Authorities discovered two formally dressed male corpses in raincoats, partly covered with grass and each wearing eye masks made of lead. Um, they got a tip off oh, about the body. Sorry, I thought I thought for Merley. Oh, no, they weren't naked. They were. <laughs> but I was just like, what a weird way of putting that. <laughs> formally dressed. <laughs> um, they were on a high on a rugged hill in southeastern Brazil. Um, and they got a tip off that the bodies were there, which is how they discovered them. Um, the bodies bore no obvious signs of trauma and there was no evidence of a struggle or immediate apparent cause of their deaths. That's mysterious. That is mysterious. Ooh. 
I just want to point out that when you said high on a hill, I really wanted to go with a lonely goat. <laughs> really I watched that the stop. other day. Nat loved it. The Sound of Music. Oh, God. I don't think I've seen that film in potentially two decades, and I'm okay with that. It's classic. The tunes are classic. Uh, someone shared like a little uh, snippet of the video where it sounds like uh, one of the nuns in the um, convent is calling. Yeah, it was me. Oh, I shared it on the Weirding Hour account. Oh, <laughs> you're welcome, cool. all of our Twitter followers. Uh, our Twitter what? Our Twitter followers. I saw it from Amy Di Pasquale. Oh, okay. Well, I also I retweeted it because um, yeah, nuns calling someone a cunt face. Beautiful. It's what? Funny as... It's I not it at all. Well, get on Twitter. Uh, I should follow our account, shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah, I mean, do what you like. Do you have Twitter? me i've got a twitter account but i never go in there twitter's just bile isn't just, it just follow it we've got about five followers so we could do with another even if they're all not right. paying attention all right i suppose i'll follow our account oh god if i have to these poor dead men yeah, oh, back yeah. To them. um miguel okay i'm gonna butcher all the pronunciations in this but you've been warned okay uh, miguel jose viana and Manuel Pereira de Cruz were respectable citizens with young families who worked together as electronics technicians in a town near Rio de Janeiro. On August the 17th, 1966, they set out together uh, to gather electronic supplies for their work. And at 2.30pm, they got on a bus to a nearby town where they purchased water from a bar and raincoats from a shop. Witnesses later claimed that Miguel seemed very nervous and frequently checked his watch. And the pair set up Vintum Hill at about 3.15. At 5pm, a local boy saw them higher up the hill. The boy returned the next day to the hill and he saw the men lying on the ground, but he assumed they were asleep. Um, but then he returned two days later on the 20th of August and he could smell a putrid smell. So he returned to town to report it. The next day, the police went up the hill and they found the dead men as described. Um and near them was an empty bottle of mineral water, two wet towels and a notebook. The first page has a list of electronic materials and spare parts. The second page said, on Sunday, one tablet after the meal. Monday, one tablet in the morning on an empty stomach. Tuesday, one tablet after the meal. Wednesday, one tablet before going to bed. And the third and most cryptic page of the notebook said, at 16.30, be at the specified location. 18.30, ingest capsules. After the effect, protect metals, wait for the mask signal. And that's a translation, Whoa. but apparently the grammar doesn't make sense in Portuguese either. Oh. Okay. That's very strange. Yeah. Um, so the authorities also determined that the handwriting in the notebook didn't belong to either of them. And although the note identified the cap some capsules, the police didn't find any, um, which presumably indicates that the men had eaten them if they did exist however no toxicology tests were done on the bodies reportedly due to the level of decomp decomposition okay um i don't they've been left for like four days i don't know if a body deco decomposes i think it depends on the i mean it was brazil yeah if it's really hot and yeah it was apparently raining on the day they were up there and maybe it was really, really hot um but the the cause of death was determined to be cardiac failure. Okay. 
Um, so during their investigation, police spoke with a friend of Miguel and Manuel who told them that they were all part of a group of scientific spiritualists comprised of nearly all electronic specialists who experimented in various ways. For example, two months before Miguel and Manuel perished, they had built some type of device in Manuel's garden and in an attempt to contact Mars. They were unsuccessful and the device exploded by accident. Okay. This event was corroborated by Manuel's father and others like neighbours and stuff who had reported it, as well as a similar similar event, um, but more spectacular event that happened on the 13th of June in 1966. Numerous witnesses reported an explosion on the beach, beach in Espirito Santo that rocked buildings as far as 15 kilometres away. And local fishermen also witnessed it, and they reported that a flying saucer was seen to fall into the sea. Um, These sound like loads of different events happening. It's very hard to kind of connect them to the guys being dead on the hill. So their friend was telling the police, we're scientific spiritualists, and they, the friend with the two guys dead on the hill attempted to contact Mars in their garden. Oh, okay. Right, I see. Yes. And the device exploded. Um, and yeah, this that the one that rocked buildings was just a similar event that wasn't necessarily connected to them, but there's all this like UFO oh, speculation okay. around them. But yes. they did try and contact Mars in their back garden and something blew up. Okay. <laughs> sure. Yep. Stands to reason. Um, so their friend claimed that the event followed an intentional meeting between members of the spiritualist group and a UFO. He claimed that after it had visited with, with them for about five minutes, it left with a blinding flash and large explosion. So I guess yeah. it wasn't happy with the meeting. <laughs> uh, maybe it was just a dramatic queen. Just I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so investigators searched Miguel's workshop and they found tools and lead scraps used to make the masks which they call masks but they're actually like eye cover like shapes of the front of glasses cut to cover eyes from sheets of lead Mm. um, which would leave the rest of the face exposed and a book with passages about intense luminosity highlighted presumably being the pair the reason the pair wore them did that sentence make sense (laughs) presumably being the reason the pair wore them Presumably, perhaps, maybe that was why they could possibly have been wearing them. That exactly, pretty much, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of all the details. Um, there's all this weird UFO shit, and the weirdest thing is that they were well. There was loads of weird stuff found with their bodies, like the glasses and the notebook and stuff. Um, so with all that information, police kind of thought that maybe Miguel and Manuel were involved with smuggling electronics equipment, um, which apparently at the time had been difficult to come by in Brazil. Um, but the uh, a more sort of common theory, I think with locals and other people, or maybe with their friends who were like trying to contact aliens. <laughs> yep. It's just, it's just another common theory. They had overdosed after taking an illicit drug in order to make better contact with the spirits, and many suggested they took LSD. Yeah, but um, I'm hearing I'm hearing some exciting drugs. I feel, but uh, deaths from LSD are extremely rare, and yeah, when they do occur, true. it's usually when they take with alcohol, 
um, and there's no evidence that they were drinking anything but water at or before their deaths. So who knows? It did say they went into a bar, but then they did. They were drinking water. Um, but then, uh, so finally, Miguel and Manuel are not the only male technicians to die on a rugged hilltop in Brazil in the 1960s. What? Yep, there's another one. In 1962, a television technician named Hermes was reported to have been found dead on Morro do Cruzeiro, also in the state of Rio de Janeiro, and also with a lead mask found near his body. That's quite weird. Yeah. And that's why it's a mystery. Mm, How odd. That's it. It's it's un it's unsolved. That's there's just these weird facts and stuff. There's like lots of people having theories about it. Um, but maybe there were aliens. Are there, do their families have any kind of opinions on it? Um, no. So one of their dads was corroborating the thing that exploded in the garden. Okay. So that did happen. They were doing some weird shit in the garden. Okay. Yeah. Um. But. There's no more information. Fireworks. You know how people take fireworks too far? (laughs) Blow themselves up. Yeah. (laughs) And then they put their lead glasses on and then they, you know, light the fireworks, but also don't want to look at them. Yeah. Yeah. Those those ones. Yeah. How weird. That is a mysterious story, Nina. That's that's mysterious. Um, I don't like mystery. I like unsolved mysteries but then that later get solved so they're no longer mysteries i totally have that it's like with um, i I can't can't... really listen to true crime unsolved cases because i'm just like who did it yeah i can't deal with the unresolvedness Mm. but i did that one was very weird and there's some the lead the lead glasses man what the fuck i don't know very strange strange um okay cool is it me um it is me i am going to tell you mine is a mexican mystery it is um oh piss off uh, i found somewhere in mexico that had a mystery (laughs) i did my homework um just to kind of warn anyone who's listening who might not want to this does this story does involve um the death of a child so just to kind of give you warning there um this is the case i'll be interested to hear if you guys know about it of um four-year-old paulette habara farrar have you guys I heard of not. this story? No. Okay, buckle in because it's a good one. So basically, <laughs> on oh. March, it is. This it is child a good... death is a good one. No, this story is a good one. The death of the child is incredibly sad, but the story is very interesting. I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you... Right after that clarification. <laughs> this is great, guys. Well um, placed. This is referred to, or is often referred to, as the Mexican version of the Jean Benet Ramsey ca- Ramsey case. So it's mm-hmm. about to get strong. Um, Actually, much... never dolved into Jean Benet Ramsey very much. You did, did you say dolved? Yeah, delved, delved. <laughs> I didn't dolve in myself. Um, oh, hers is fascinating. Except the entire time you're like, which one of your family is it? Started <laughs> one of them. Which one? Um, this story is a bit the same. Uh, so on March the 22nd, 2010, in Whis- I think, again, forgive pronunciation, but Whiskey Lucan in Mexico, um, four-year-old Paulette Habara, um, and it's her mum's surname is, is Farrar, so she's Paulette Habara, but sometimes it's written with Farrar on the end as well. But she vanished from her bedroom overnight. 
Uh, so she was tucked into bed at nine o'clock. Um, her parents, who they'd all been away for the weekend to various places. Mum had gone away with a friend. Dad had taken the girls somewhere. Um, but they were back in their home. Um, and by nine o'clock, the, uh, both the girls had been t- uh, kissed and tucked into bed. When they woke up the next morning, there was no sign of the child. There was no sign of forced entry into the apartment where they lived. They were from quite a wealthy um both parents were wealthy background and were financially very happy. Um, they lived in one of those high-rise fancy apartment blocks. Um, they had two dogs, neither of which barked or made any indication of an intruder. So Paulette lived with her parents, her mum, Lizette, who was um, an attorney of Lebanese descent, and her father, I think it's Maurizio, you pronounce it, who worked in real estate. She also had an older sister, also named Lizette, um, who I think was seven. Uh, at the time when uh, Paulette was four. Um, After she went missing, there was a massive search campaign um, that, you know, that happened. She had, in fact, just to go back, sorry, to give a little bit of context. She was, not only was she very young, so she was four, but actually she had um, various kind of developmental and communication needs, which related to the fact that she was born premature. I think she was born at 25 weeks and weighed less than two pounds. Mm, Um, So the fact that she actually survived was really miraculous. And what people said, um, you know, sort of doctors and medical people who worked with her said that the chances of her a living were very small. And then after she survived, it was, you know, she'll never walk, she'll never talk. And actually she did hit those marks. You know, she did have communication needs and she could only walk a very little bit without being aided, but she did much better, I guess, than anybody thought that she would or that her prognosis suggested. Um, But as a result, she did have quite a lot of medical needs. Um, There would have been a lot of medical expenses and the family had hired two nannies to help look after her, uh, two sisters called Erica and Martha. And it was actually the nannies who went into the bedroom that morning uh, to wake Paulette and she wasn't she wasn't there um, in the bed. Um, one of the things that comes up quite quickly is the fact that they did this, you know, they've done this massive search. It then goes, it goes very quickly and escalates and you basically have the attorney general of the state of Mexico heading up the investigation. So this is Alberto Bazbaz. Um, Sorry. Yeah. Baz, Baz. Mr. Baz, Baz. <laughs> is that what you were going to stop and say something about? Yeah. Baz, Baz? yeah, sure. He's an attorney general. He's far more accomplished than any of us will ever be. So we can rip the shit out of that name. Yeah. Because he Baz, is Baz. called Mr. Baz, Baz. Mr. Um, Baz, Baz. <laughs> yeah. But basically, you've got some really important people working on this case. And it also picks up momentum like crazy. She's on billboards. She is, you know, there are TV um TV interviews with the parents, lots of things happening. Um, you know, it, it, it's everywhere. And I think partly because she's been taken from a place that's actually considered quite safe. Yeah, um, it's scary. like a well-off area. Um, and also and just also the mystery. Your house. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, so after searching for them, for the child for a week and having no luck, um, Baz Baz publicly announces his suspicion <laughs> about the parents and the nannies and he says that due to inconsistencies in their stories the fact that the parents failed to polygraph um test and also some of their kind of actions and behaviors after the child is missing um 
and he, he believes that they falsified their statement, which has made it really difficult to know the mm. truth. So essentially what happened, they were placed under house arrest uh, in a hotel for interrogation. So some of those discrepancies, uh, Paulette's parents said that after they found out that she was missing, they searched the whole apartment block for her when actually it was the nannies who searched and neither parent was particularly involved or seemed that bothered that uh. their four-year-old child who has, again difficulty so this is not a child who could sort of take herself off go wandering get very far um also her communication it was uh, from what i can gather she didn't really speak in sentences it was more kind of just you know this 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 she could say stuff to get what she needed but you know not string it together in terms of a whole sort of communicative sentence um but yeah they were not that bothered and it wasn't actually them who called the police it was mauricio's sister um, who, after he mentioned about Paulette missing, was like, uh, let's get the police involved. Um, I mean, that's that's pretty bad sign. Yeah, I yeah. See. So other things that came up were in relation to Paulette's mother, Lizette. So she made some strange comments during... Now, it was hard to gather whether these were all during interviews or also when they were being recorded and may not have known about it. Um, so she made a comment that... Um, Perhaps her daughter had been abducted by aliens or Harry Potter. I don't know why she made that leap about Harry Potter growing up to become an abductor of children. I feel like that was a conclusion. She clearly uh, hasn't read the books. Well, quite. Also, she said that even if she lost Paulette, she'd still have another daughter. Oh, yeah, uh, which is a bit kind of shady. There's also a recording of her talking to the sister. So this is where it's confusing because the mum's called Lizette and so is the sister. Um, but the mum's talking to her and obviously she's speaking to a child, but she's basically saying, you know, you mustn't say anything about your sister's disappearance. Otherwise, the poli- police will say that it's your fault. Now, oh, initially... It does sound pretty suspicious. Yeah. Initially, she tried to sort of deny it and say that this had been edited to sound that way. She then changed her story to say it's just being heard out of context. Um, so hard to kind of say where that is um a psychologist assessed lizette during this time as in the mother not the daughter um and there are some strange kind of quotes that come out of this sort of stories of her being quite cold stories of her having um a personality disorder but they weren't sort of specific so i'm not sure what the context of this is in terms of whether it's an actual assessment for the mother or whether it's just brought up to explain behavior or perhaps you know sort of cast I don't know, aspersions in some way. Um, It's a bit of a strange comment, but it did keep coming up. So here's where things take a very bizarre turn. Nine days after her disappearance, Paulette's body is found at the end of her bed. Oh. It is caught in between the mattress and the kind of the footstead um, at the end, but obviously surrounded by sheets. Um, The discovery happened... So uh, like the... The like headboard, but at the yeah, bottom. at the bottom of the bed. Um, I've actually seen the footage of what her bed looks like, and I have to say, it's a an extraordinary bed for a four-year-old to have, but perhaps even more extraordinary for a four-year-old who's got a lot of physical health issues, mm. um, because it's just a massive bed. It looks like a, almost kind of like a double bed, mm. um, and from what I saw of a um on youtube i was watching uh, various different kind of documentaries and and where people have done uh, i guess the equivalent of what we're doing um talking about it and they said <laughs> they used about to, something they know nothing about yep propped between that she used to sleep prop between two large pillows so that they'd basically put her in the middle of the bed and sort of prop her in 
there basically just not a bed maybe designed for her needs mm. um anyway she was discovered due to the smell of putrefication um, um but here's where we have this is this is where the rub is basically where it becomes really strange because if her body had been there for nine days we are we are basically saying that the police and her entire family are very inept because they'd had sniffer dogs in that room to get her scent and you know to be able to go and try and track her elsewhere so they've been in there you've had family members sleep in that bed and stay over like friends who were supporting them were staying in that bed so people have slept in the bed where essentially there is a small body stashed at the end mm. um That's there were true. interviews interviews conducted um with the mum sat on the bed in that room um yeah so it's just it's really it's really bizarre there is actually a video on youtube i haven't watched it i don't know if i'm going to but it's essentially the discovery of her body what seems to have happened is that the um people who are searching the the scene find some stains on the bed sheets at the end which they're not sure what they are um it could be blood obviously later now we think it could be um decomposition fluids that sort of thing but they call the coroner in he comes and when they discover the body the coroner is overheard to be saying in spanish she's been severely beaten um however this statement gets refuted pretty much immediately by baz baz uh who claims that she uh essentially has died of suffocation by wriggling down the bed and getting herself caught between the footstead and the mattress. So whilst bundled up in her sheets. So he's just said the coroner is talking shit. Essentially, yeah. Well, they're just saying that, you know, that might be what it looked like, but actually there was confusion. So an autopsy has revealed that she used to sleep with an orthopedic cloth over her mouth. And apparently, I, this is not anything I've ever heard of before, but this is to do with stopping you from sleeping with your mouth open. Um, I, I, I guess that's supposed to help something. But she, yeah, she had this cloth over her mouth. Um, oh. I don't know whether that plays into the, you know, sort of how she ended up suffocating, suffocating herself. Um, things that we do know, she had eaten food at least five hours before her death. Um she had no signs of any kind of physical or sexual violence, according to the autopsy. Um, death was established at being anywhere between five and nine days before the analysis was made. So they essentially don't know how early on she died. Obviously, if they're saying that she accidentally suffocated, then she has to have been there the whole time. But given the things that we've mm. talked about before, you know, this is a child who can barely move has wriggled down to the bottom of the bed, is trapped in the bed. People who are going, who are searching for her. It's just weird that the sniffer dogs, like, yeah. look, human error can be a huge thing. It, you know, people make big mistakes a lot of sure. the time. But I would, you would presume a, a sniffer dog would but be able to find But also people getting in and her. out of the bed. Do you know what I mean? Mm. There's movement that to me would suggest, you know, that body is not lying completely interrupted if people are getting in and out of the bed. That smell is going to waft before nine days. And if it's at putrefaction level, yeah. you know, where fluids are leaking out, those blankets are not going to have stopped that for nine days, surely. Yeah. Also, thinking about what, you know, when I lose my phone, I can tear a room apart. You know, let alone losing my small child in a you like you would search it, wouldn't you? 
Mm, you would think. Uh, yeah. But so this is another one of the issues that they had. Um, Baz Baz, after he released this, you know, sort of statement of, you know, she died accidentally due to mechanical asphyxia, uh, due to the obstruction of the nasal cavities and thorax abdominal compression. A lot of people just didn't buy it. They, they were not happy with the way that it was done, but it was really hard to do forensic analysis at this point because so many people had come and gone from that room. It was mm. never treated like a proper crime scene. You know, if if we go with the theory of, you know, yes, she was at the end of the bed the whole time, um, it, it means that, um, you know, perhaps they weren't looking for her to be there. You know, after it was like, oh, shit, she's not here. They were just using the room to get information about her for the sniffer dogs to get a sense of her. It would be normal yeah. for them to be riled up slightly in that room because it would be where it smelt the most of her. So perhaps they did give indications and people just thought, well, it's because we're in the room. Um, mm. She can't kind of possibly be in here. Um, things that counteract that argument, though, include statements from the nannies. So... Before I talk about their statements, we'll just talk about some of the theories that people have proposed about perhaps foul play, where she's concerned. So there are some theories that maybe the family were not as financially well off as was assumed, that it was actually their family that was, you know, the wider family um, and not so much themselves. And therefore, perhaps this was a sort of staged kidnapping that maybe went wrong. Um, after they were accused, both parents... <laughs> oh, just shove her down the end of the bed to be all right? Well, they think perhaps they'd kidnapped her and maybe put her in a small space. So there are stories about maybe she was put near the elevator shaft or maybe in a small cupboard and something then went wrong. Um, or the case got so much bigger than they thought it would ever be. You know, she's on billboards everywhere. So, yeah, sort of something went wrong. There's theories that the parents could have been in on it together or perhaps because they started accusing one another pretty much as soon as, um, you know, they were they were acu of, accused of foul play. Um, mm. They started saying it was it was the other. It was um, proven that um, Lizette was having an affair. So that was used to kind of throw some questions on that. Maybe there was a reason for her to want to get rid of the child for that reason that, you know, it was she was going to be quite a large expense due to sort of upkeep in terms of her medical bills and things like that. Um, theories about the nannies being the ones who kidnapped her to do a ransom are just, they're not very plausible in terms of how they would sort of get away with it. And again, because of the nature of the building, sort of getting her out and hiding her, it's just all a bit. How would the, the nannies wouldn't get any money unless they were exactly. in well that Well, that, no, the idea is, is that they would obviously, you know, pretend to be somebody else I oh, imagine. Okay. yeah yeah uh, rather than I'm hey we getting... took your daughter you know <laughs> what you use how kidnappings work. <laughs> wait who it's... gets the money <laughs> nobody gets the money um so yeah so one of the things that the nannies have have both said is that you know as soon as she was missing um they tore the room apart. They looked under the bed um, that she wasn't there. Also, because of the fact that people were staying over, um, they'd made the bed. Mm -hmm. um, other things that are interesting and to note is that one of the interviews that is conducted with Lizette in Paulette's bedroom, she is sat on the bed and there are what look to be um, pyjamas near her. One is a light blue top and I'm can't actually remember what the bottoms were but anyway it's a light blue top and they bear a great resemblance to the pajamas that she is then found in at the end of the bed so there are theories of her not being you know like not wearing that and then it being put on being her put in that later. yeah so 
it's it's kind of hard to say as it currently stands there is no there is no sort of conclusion on the matter this case by the way i'm gonna i know i say it with all of my stories is so interesting and there is so much information out there to read up on um but it really is it really is so interesting and it's i mean it's actually it's heartbreaking because you know this little girl has defied all i guess medical you know the ideas that they had about how well she would do because of her condition she's got got past them kind of only to have her life taken um but it does sound to me i just was reading it being like she didn't die accidentally it feels like she didn't die accidentally there's also a lot of connections between um so for example her father um is connected to the state attorney general apparently they're friends oh Um, the one who's (laughs) like yeah no no she suffocated yeah and he's not a coroner yeah and baz baz who um we you know was the guy who was leading the um kind of leading all this the state attorney general even though he had to stand down from his job he's then gone on to have a really successful career elsewhere he he i think in 2018 he became the head of sisson which is essentially their intelligence uh, agency so he's not suffered from having you know from having that um mm. kind of on his on his record even though like we say you know it was dealt with so badly like forensic evidence and just not being treated like a crime scene um so yeah one of the really bizarre things that i just have no explanation for at all and i find this really strange um so she was buried in um I can't pronounce it. Pantheon Francais. No, that's definitely not it. But anyway, in Mexico Pantheon City. Pantheon Francais. Yeah, it's definitely not that. <laughs> in Mexico City in 2010. And her remains were exhumed and then cremated oh. on the 3rd of May 2017. Because Ooh. the authorities considered that the remains were no longer objects of evidence for the investigation of the case. So in who Pantheon? wanted her cremated? Well, exactly. And one of the most interesting um points that i saw or just i thought brilliantly put point can you imagine i, I mean I, I know you said you don't know about the case um of jean benet ramsey but obviously it is a, a cold case that has interested people for so many yeah. years but can you imagine if the american authorities were like we're digging her up and cremating her now there would be such an outcry yeah that, that was you know what are you do- like why are you doing this yeah i've i also feel like it's a lot like Unless your family like really specifically wants mm. your kid to be cremated for some cultural reason or something like that, which maybe it is, but if it's if it's not if there's no really strong reason like that to exhume someone's body and mm. then cremate them, that's fucking sus as hell, man. Like, yeah. that's bad. But yeah, so I'm very aware of time, so I'm gonna pretty much wrap it up there. Um, but yeah, that was the the Mexican mystery that was Paulette Habara Farrar, which I just thought was really sad, but also so interesting and strange. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. It is very strange. I think, yeah, I think things like those kind of mysteries, it, it starts getting less strange, though, doesn't it? Because we start going, no, no, they they did it. Yeah, yeah. But then it draws, you know, it's drawn some parallels as well to other other kind of cases where, but the behaviour is very different. So if you think of, for example, the McCanns, they had a lot of, um, you know, there were a lot of theories that they were behind the disappearance of their daughter. Mm. And obviously they then put up a very united front as the parents being like, you know, no, not involved. Whereas the behaviour of these guys was immediately like, if anything happened, he did it. 
<laughs> you know, or she did it. Yeah. Um, and just some, I guess, just some strange behavior. And it's always difficult, isn't it? Because you can't judge people necessarily on how they are yeah. immediately you after an event because shock is quite personal. Yeah. You, know, as to you how can't you do, do it. it based on their reactions mm. and how they emotionally process things. Yeah. But even think, even if it makes people look suspicious as fuck for sure for sure i think there are certain things though where you start to think this really goes beyond the the norm of what you'd expect so for example when your small child is missing you know how quickly would you contact the police or or would you be you know contacting yeah, everybody yeah. in the building yeah. or, you know making such a big hoo-ha about it you'd be and, contacting someone yeah like, at least family or you know, you're not going to just sit there and be like, oh, well, maybe she'll come back, especially mm-hmm. if they're... Yeah. I, I think there are scenarios where some people wouldn't contact the police because you're like, you know, maybe not child missing, but in some cases where you're like, oh, you know, maybe they'll show up. It, it'll be okay. I don't want to contact the police yet. But then the longer it goes on, then you think, oh, maybe I yeah. should. But yeah, yeah, especially when it's a child who has certain needs, like mm-hmm. it's, it's not a great sign. <laughs> Mm-mm. yeah yeah no it's not at all so well, that's my mystery yeah, yeah. I yeah that, was... that was really good yeah thanks guys and interesting absolutely... and sad yeah 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 very sad i think i will google yeah d- please more. do i've done it i've definitely done it no justice in terms of there is so much information about this um obviously you can use the links that you will find in the description oh, yeah. um mm-hmm. but yeah just yeah dive into this one because it is super interesting cool, cool. Okay. How, how are you your... <laughs> <laughs> oh that good <laughs> uh oh bear with me i need to do something else mine is still a work in progress and because i yeah. haven't glued anything down i'm gonna have to send you a picture of it whilst it's flat <laughs> mine so i did uh I've tried to do something Azteki, but I've only done a little bit. It needs some finishing. Ooh, nice. Oh. It's a little dude. I like your little dude. I like the, yes, that's, yes, I like the, I like. He's a little dude in a jazzy outfit. All right, bear with me. I just need to do a balancing element. Oh, shit, that was the wrong balancing element. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Let's just, oh, that was worse. Okay, never mind. Ria, just take a picture of it and show us it later if you want. Okay, well. What is it? Give us a description so that Nina I'll can show you, I'll show you. Can you see? Ooh. Oh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's, uh, that's far more creative than mine. So, yeah. yeah. There we go. It's got a creepy like face. It. Yeah, I will take a picture of that, though. Um, so, uh, we should thank everyone for listening. Um, yes. What are we doing next week? Get the hat sock. sock. Look, we've got a new fancy one. New fancy hat sock. Nina's unwanted Christmas socks. (laughs) Not unwanted. Loved. Much beloved. It's a a nice one. I thought I'd donate it. It's because, Rhea, did you not hear the story of this? She got given a novelty set of three socks that are all different. That just annoys me more than anything in the world. Well, the person who gave me them is definitely going to listen to the podcast. But good, go also, and buy her the other matching three, so she has pairs of socks. Also, it was my mum. Also, she didn't mean to. Also, she actually gave them to Nat, not me. Okay, so let's retract all of this bit. Maybe you sorry, just... mum. Edit it out. 
Sorry, Mrs. Nina. But it's coming in use, so... Ooh. What are we doing next week? Forbidden Places. (gasps) Rhea's butt. (laughs) (laughs) Is that forbidden? I bet it's Uh, not. You'll find out. Next week, <laughs> tune in. Yeah. In the oh, meantime, we please we have to hook those listeners back. Oh shit! What are we going to do as well for our craft? Oh, this is the bit that we always never plan in advance. Yeah. Always never plan. You know what we should do? We should do 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 do. What should we do? do? Each week, week, week. Each week, week. What we should do is each week, week, week have a really extreme experience. Paul is skipping. I'm just doing that. Um, we should each think of a craft. Like we should take it in turns each week to think of craft. Therefore, do you have I thought. Uh, yes. Can we do charcoal? Yeah. Yeah, let's do charcoal. Cool. cool. Ria, think of one for next week. No. No, I will. I will. So join us next week, guys. We'll be doing charcoal drawings. And obviously, if you've got any crafts, we've already had um, the amazing... uh, Oh, do we want to say her full name? So, well, I I announced her as Sarah P on the page. So Sarah P, who um, creates wonderful crafts, has uh, just knitted this beautiful kraken and crocheted the eyes. It's so cool. And just honestly stunning it's and freaking and it's adorable really, it's mm. so cute and it's squidgy it's like it's great it's so it's, craft along with us guys or send us your weird art you don't even have to do the same stuff that we do ours is done because you know it's what we have in our house <laughs> so yeah. ours is done because we on a budget yeah feel free to do better than us uh it's not hard <laughs> cool anyway so uh i've been bothwell she's been ria she's been nina and this has been the weirding hour Thanks. Thanks, for for Thanks for listening. Bye. Oh, so good. Rhea loves you. Bye. <laughs>